Hello, and welcome back to another FACT podcast. I'm Dr. Fred Clary, founder of Functional Analysis Chiropractic Technique. And in this podcast, I came into the office today and decided just to flip open my laptop. And uh, I was going to blow off some steam, yell, vent. And then I realized that this would be a great piece for a little basic um, sixth grade or eighth grade education on statistics. Um, With the COVID-19, there's so much misinformation, disinformation, or correct information being put out there, but being interpreted wrong and getting correlation and causation a little screwed up. And I'm really amazed because some of these people actually took statistical class or took eighth grade or ninth grade uh, math classes and are still screwing it up. So I thought I would just back up and go over some of this. Since uh, you hear these word models, these statistical models that are being used for the the COVID-19 crisis and and we want to flatten the curve. Um, A lot of people don't even know what that is. They just know they have to flatten it. And uh, I have a lot of patients who are asking about it. And I, I usually say, well, we're trying to reduce the peak of people getting infected, the speed at which the, they're getting infected, and, uh, you know, change the serial interval and change r not, and, and we'll go over those in this podcast. But what, what we're trying to do is just make sure there's enough beds made. And, of course, initially when this all came down, we didn't really have good information coming out of China or Italy and some of these other countries that were affected about, you know, how strong this virus is, the demographics, and demographics means certain populations like age, um, the demographics of those affected by it. So, you know, the first first thing was, hey, let's uh, quarantine the healthy and, uh, you know, run away from it. And amazingly, as we're learning more and we have good statistics now, unfortunately, some tragic deaths have happened due to this or due to this and their comorbid conditions. Um, nobody wants to see people pass away, and especially something new we don't understand. But we understand more about this now. We understand what kind of virus it is, how it made, how it attaches to which receptors, um, the ACE2 um, receptor. Um, sometimes it, re- it attaches to the, what, the DPP4. So we know what receptors and how it gets into the human body, what cells it affects, and the damage it's doing. Um, amazingly, people are coming back and, and saying, oh, you know, we're getting these thrombolytic conditions and rashes. Well, viral infections have caused that regular flu in kids and even in adults. Two weeks after they've been sick, they're getting some of these, um, these odd autoimmune reactions. That's been going on forever. That's been going on since we've recorded in recorded time. And it's what happens when you have a virus offset the Th1 and Th2 balance in our immune system, T lymphocyte type 1, T lymphocyte type 2, that's a generalization. I know there's going to be some immune system science geeks that are going to say, well, it's not that simple. Well, it's not. I understand that. But we're, we're trying to uh, make this digestible for the average public here. But, you know, they have these huge autoimmune reactions. You can have that after having chicken pox, the flu, um, a common cold. And unfortunately, they can be nasty. And if your medical doctor doesn't recognize them for what they are, they can kill young kids. And it's horrible um, that they're missed. So, um, yeah, COVID can cause this. Any type of COVID can cause this. 
OC43, B814, whatever's out there. I mean, there's so many different viruses. But anytime this is an immune problem, immune system problem. But, it, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things with attribution, clinical correlation, and causation have to be discussed when we're dealing with this. So let's go through, uh, you know, a little basic statistics. Um, a lot of people say that you can, uh, there, there's fibs, there's big lies, and then there's statistics. And again, that's a, that's a nice little clever thing um, that's been around since the 1800s. But it is true. You can manipulate statistics to say about anything, even though you would be inaccurate. Somebody with a little math background would tear you apart. But for the average person, there's a word, average, which means mean. For the average person, um, they're going to miss it. Now, let's talk about averages. So what is an average? The average is a mean. And that's where you take certain values of everyone in the population. And you divide by that. You add them all up and you divide by that population. And you get an average or a mean. Now, a median number is a number that half the population are below and half the population are above. So median actually, you know, will move your number um, to the right or the left, higher or lower, depending on how big your population is. So let's use some examples. So they use median a lot when, say, assessing the price of your house. You're going to sell your house. You want to know what the median um, price value, property values, house values are in your neighborhood. Now, that's not average because it'll be, it'll be closer to what we call a middle mark because you could have a house that's a $2 million home and you could have a shanty in there, and that would move your mean, if it's only a handful of houses in your neighborhood, that would move your uh, average or your mean um, to, the, to the right or to the left too far. So median is a, a good number, especially when you're looking at um, medical information, of especially uh, demographics and, and epidemiology like deaths. That tells us that, you know, there's lower numbers and higher numbers. Now, it can be skewed, too. I like having both numbers displayed that, because that also tells you what population it's going to face. So, for example, in Minnesota, like we were saying, the median, the median uh, age for COVID deaths is 83, 83 years of age. In the United States, the median age of death a couple years ago for all causes, heart attack, cancer, stroke, hit by a car, shot, fell off a ladder, drownings, all these horrible things, was 78.5. So the median age of all deaths in the United States is about 78.5. The median deaths of those infected with COVID in the state of Minnesota is 83. Now, you can't correlate. You cannot correlate or cause or say causation that COVID allows you to live four or five years longer. That makes no sense at all. But that is what happens in statistics, where they will take a correlation and turn it into causation. 
Let me give you an example of um, a bad way of doing it. Let's say that we know that if you get chemotherapy, after 10 years, your chances of survival double. Well, that may be true. But those without chemotherapy, say for breast cancer or whatever cancer, if they live after 10 years, their rate of survival is also double. So you, you're putting blame or causation on something that may or may not be true. Okay? Um, that is ha happening with a lot of, of uh, say, death certificates, or at least allegedly you hear this happening. And I know I have a couple patients who have direct knowledge of it because it was their mom or their brother-in-law or sister-in-law where someone passed away. They happened to have COVID, but they had so many other, other conditions and they died, say, of cardiac arrest and they blamed COVID, which was really interesting because it could have been flu, um, you know, could have been any type of, of viral infection or bacterial infection that would have taken them out, but they, they blame that. And I don't know why. But we got to be careful because that statistically gets written down. That gets written down and then now you have increased confidence in the causation of and different causations caused by an infection, infectious agent. Okay, what does that all mean? I'll slow down a little bit. Well, you can't put blame or causation on something that just may be happening at the same time. I'll give you a, a real practical example. I have many patients who go into weight loss clinics and they'll give them a magic pill, potion, a lotion, whether over the counter or prescription, and these people will lose 20 or 30 pounds. And they'll say, this clinic is the cause and the reason that I lost weight. You mean the pill? Yes, this pill is a magic pill. Well, okay, but you're also eating less calories, you're getting more sleep, you're get, drinking a gallon of water, you're getting 100 grams of protein every day, and you're exercising 45 minutes to an hour every day, and you, you never exercised before, you ate at McDonald's, Burger King, and every other fast food restaurant, and you live off potato chips, and you were sleep deprived and smoked before. Now you've removed all these other factors, how do you isolate just this pill you got from this doctor or this magic, you know, cleansing detox potion and all these other factors? You have all these other factors like exercising, getting better sleep, better protein, more water. Now in the mix, which one caused you to lose the weight? Was it all of them? Now, someone with a little common sense would say it's a combination of all of them. But if you're trying to find out, isolate which one, you're not going to be able to, okay? You're not going to be able to. So you can't say that that pill caused you to lose weight. You can say it's a factor, okay, because you were taking that pill during that time. But a true scientist would find out if it is a factor, meaning remove it and let's see what happens and do everything else, you know. I, I would submit to you a lot of times if it was a weight loss clinic, not taking the pill, but if you're eating less calories, getting more protein, we're getting more exercise, more positive thinking, better sleep, better water, better hydration, that you're going to lose the weight amazingly. So we have to be careful with causation, okay? Um, the fact that, that even with this COVID, they're saying, oh, we're flattening the curve because we're socially distancing. 
Well, you know, we also know that it's also warmer. It's a different time of year. People are going to get more vitamin D. We hope we let people go out and get their immune system stronger. Can you say that it was the self-isolization or the fact that it's now summer? Well, of course, there's studies saying, well, UV light doesn't affect it. Really? Coronavirus has been around longer than human beings. So it's like, hello? If we look at these certain viruses have been around much longer than human beings, guess what? We already know that coronaviruses are affected by UV. There, there's already plenty of studies. How can you say this one's not because there's not a study yet because we've only been dealing with it since fall? So there's another a problem of interpretation. So we have a problem of attribution, which would be causation, correlation, and interpretation of those results. I would not interpret that, you know, staying at home is flattening the curve because even though they're happening at the same time, we also know that in Minnesota, hospitalizations due to flu and pneumonia, they almost like, unless it's pneumonia related to COVID, drop to nothing. Now, do I think, think the flu is still here? Of course it is. It's always here. Just ask anyone who's worked in, you know, healthcare for more than a day and they would tell you that flu's around, you know, in the, in the spring and summer, but not as much. It goes away. And then when we go inside, flu season increases because our immune system decreases. We get less sunshine, vitamin D, and we're off to the races. Okay, we've cooked up another flu. So you can't say just because we don't have a study that it's true. There's also studies showing, like coming out information, not studies, reports. There's reports coming out of New York saying that most of the new hospitalizations due to COVID are ones who were staying at home. So are you going to now... Take that same line of thinking and say that, that staying at home caused these hospitalizations. Well, of course not. They're not doing that. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Meaning you can't say on the one hand, I'm going to use certain interpretive factors, okay? A certain paradigm, a certain viewpoint. I can't use that over here to my left and then on my right not use it when the statistics don't suit my narrative. Narrative meaning my way of thinking. Statistics obviously are being used different ways. Now, if I was going to do the statistics on this, I would want to know how many of these people had comorbid conditions who died. We now know it's 80, 90, 95%. I would want to know what medications they're on. Since this bug attaches to a specific receptor, any, are there any medications or vitamins or potions or lotions or foods that would that screw that with that receptor too? You would have to dig down and drill out and pull out what's causing this. So, so we have to be careful when looking at medians, averages, means, looking at, you know, R-nots. You know, you're going to hear the word R-not. And that is replication time. You may hear RT in Canada and the UK, um, but it's just, you know, how many people do you infect? Does the, do you infect? And with COVID, it's what, 2.53? That's saying one person with COVID, infectious COVID-19 uh, will infect three other people. Now, I personally think it's way higher because, like they say, there's asymptomatic carriers. 
another play on vernacular and colloquialism and wording. Um, that's what we call healthy people. We get little infections all the time that we don't notice and become symptomatic because our immune system works. So that's what you want. You want to be an asymptomatic person. That's, that's the goal. I can't believe they even put a term for it. It's called being healthy, fighting off the bug. Okay. But anyway, so, so they want it nice and low. Like, you know, you want it like 0.7. That doesn't mean it's going away. That just means it's taking a pause it, the lower it gets. Um, so in who they infect. And your R is a moving number as immunity develops, as circumstances change, they can go up or down. I mean, you have someone comes home with sick, every, you know, they, they bring that to the nursing home where everyone's immunocompromised. And before you know it, 46 people have died in one nursing home in New Hope, Minnesota. Uh, imagine that. Uh, we had like 26 deaths um, in one day last Saturday. Of course, 25 were all in nursing homes. So, you know, where I don't think the average family, and if you're not visiting a nursing home, how we're affecting them. It's amazing. But, of course, the causation, interpretation, correlation, these are all very important. I deal with this all the time in, like, powerlifting. You know, it's like, you, oh, I'm getting stronger. It must be XYZ routine. I'm using this new routine out of Russia or out of Columbus, Ohio, or out of Naperville, Illinois, or somewhere. I'm using this uh, this new routine. Well, is it the routine or the fact that you're going to the gym? You'd be amazed at how many people, you know, put all this blame or causation onto CrossFit for getting them in shape. Well, maybe, or maybe it's the fact that you're actually doing something. So we have to be careful with that, and it, especially with our health, especially with our health. I can't tell me how people go on a medication, say, for high blood pressure or borderline diabetes, and they get in shape and they think the medicine's the best thing. And I'm like, you changed your diet. You, you went on a low-sodium diet. Now your blood pressure's going down. You stopped eating uh, so much sugar. You cut your calories by a third, and now you lost 100 pounds. I don't know if that's the pill. Your, your diet changed. Your lifestyle changed. So we have to be real careful of where we take these statistics, how we interpret them, and if we put any causation or correlation with them. That's real important. I can't believe how many times I've seen people, you know, even in politics, they blame this person, the other person. That person wasn't even in, in power at that time. It's, I just sit there and laugh, and I'm like, you got your dates wrong, person. You know, you, you, you just can't go get a model out a problem or say, this, pers this official is doing this. And here's the pictures to verify it. In science, you don't start that way, especially in epidemiology. You study trends. You look for correlation. You look for hot spots. And then you determine it. Oh, wow. The reason we have a hot spot in Kirkland, Washington, is because you're aerosoling whatever pathogen into the air by using a nebulizer. Now everyone's going to be sick. Oh, we have 20 dead now. Because why is it a hot spot? You have to drill down. And I don't understand and never will why it takes so long. Well, of course, you're dealing with bureaucracy and government. And those who do statistics in there, I, I'm just flabbergasted some of the modeling they're using. And I'm like... Where, where zombie apocalypse happened in the past that you're modeling? 
Oh, you know, we're thinking about Spanish flu. You're modeling something 100 years ago where you have no accurate information? Zero. People actually use toilet paper now. We have running water, indoor plumbing. We have higher protein, better hygiene. And you're modeling something from 100 years ago? Modeling something from 50 years ago. Are you kidding me? Oh, well, we're just guessing. You're guessing. You can't guess. You have to look at trends. You have to actually go over to, to Italy, go over to uh, China, and find out what happened. Now that we have, thank God, we have months of information. So we don't have to guess anymore. And they're still making models up. We already know how many of you are going to be affected. Thank God. It's 150th of what you predicted here in Minnesota. 145th. Flu is going to take out more. I am so glad. But you're going to continue to model and make guesses when you've already been proven wrong. This is a problem of statistics. Some people will tie in and they'll baffle people with statistics. There's another word for baffling people, but that's what they're used for. You have the medians. You have the modes. You have the population. Put in the age ranges. How many people age 14 are ill from it and die? Not too many. Wow, those are important information so I can make a decision about my life. Statistics are very important. Here's the thing. They're still just numbers and they have to be interpreted. And you have to have some common sense. 70,000 people didn't die in Minnesota, thank God. 60 didn't. 40 didn't even. And you're still running the same model. It's horrible that one person passes away from a new bug made in the lab or made in a wet market. It's horrible. But especially if it affects your family, it's horrible. But guess what? The numbers you're going off to scare the population, they're not even close. So everyone should learn median. Everyone should learn average or mean. Everyone should understand the population ranges being affected and then find out where they're being affected. Did they have compromised immune system? Maybe not. You know, what is the, the R-naught value? What's the serial interval? How long does it take after someone being sick to get someone else sick? That's why they're trying to quarantine people 14 days. Now they're thinking 28. Well, you don't know you're sick. Well, you're asymptomatic carrier. It's a coronavirus. It's going to be everywhere in 12 months, everywhere. It's not Ebola. It's not even swine flu, which scares me more. It's not that. It's going to get everywhere. That's how viruses work, especially coronaviruses. They spread fast and dirty. So what do we need to do? Do a little hygiene, strengthen your immune system, stop maybe quarantining the healthy, and learn a little statistics and math, and trust your own interpretation to make decisions for you and your family. And this has been another fact podcast. Mm-hmm.